Welcome back to Following Noah Donist on my podcast. This week is episode 153, episode 4 of Yumi and the Nightmare Painter by Brandon Sanderson. Paul, how are you? Mm. I'm well. Elliot? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying this book. I'm enjoying Hoyd's snarky tone as he narrates this book to us as well. Like, the book is going is going fast and there hasn't been a whole lot to really dig into, but it's been a it's been just a fun read so far. Yeah, I did ask you guys this in our first episode for this. Are you still enjoying Hoyd's narrative voice or are you not enjoying it? Elliot, you just said yes. Okay. Yeah. I I'm definitely enjoying Hoyd's Hoyd's voice. It feels honestly like we're one little place of comfort amongst i still don't know what's going on at the right. moment so so i, I appreciate hoyd's uh, comments and jokes and everything i'm a big hoyd fan in general so getting a story where hoyd is telling it to me the whole time i uh I, i'm obviously going to greatly enjoy that my only caveat to that is if uh, a certain traumatized spearman is the recipient of these stories i wonder what trauma he had to go through to get a whole book sat down and read to <laughs> read to him in order to make him feel better but uh that's a conversation for another day oh, i have i have your answer to that trevor and i think it's applicable to our story okay it's um kaladin is trying to figure out women Oh, okay. Okay. I think this would be Hoyt would be like, well, let me read you a novel, a full novel. It's not a short story, <laughs> you know. You can't just be like, oh, here's a little cute little nursery story. We need a full book, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I could get behind that. It's a good, it's a good theory. All right, we're reading chapters twelve through fifteen this week. Let's roll intro, and then we'll get into it. All right, gentlemen, this is the podcast where three married men get to talk about women going shopping and comparing bra sizes. So thank you for tuning in, and we can discuss that in length uh, for Chapter 15. But before we get there, another ritual bath scene, Paul. Take us away for Chapter 12. All right, guys. So today we're going to be talking about this ritual bath scene. Uh, it's definitely the highlight for me of all the Cosmere stuff we've read. Okay, I can only keep that up so long. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so it, it is. I think the second time was actually better than the first time for me because I feel like this time I'm just laughing at it. I'm kind of letting myself just like laugh at it. And think that it's kind of funny and ridiculous the scenario that our characters are in, rather than this being a really awkward scene, if that makes sense. Sure. I'm kind of just going going with it at that approach. Um so um <laughs> we are we we chapter eleven where we just were the end of the last episode. Um we're jumping right into chapter twelve, we're right back on Yumi's planet. And I feel like this is this is like the second time our characters are here together, right? So I feel like this is starting to venture into a more 
instead of, oh my goodness, what's happening? Who are you? Why are you here? What is wrong? It's a, I, uh, they at least know who each other are here. Right. Like she knows more about Painter. She's gotten, she's seen through his little hero facade. Um, and it's more, uh, it's, it's more settling into the despair of what the heck is happening. Uh, what, what do we, what do we do to fix this? Because you're no hero. <laughs> right. Thing, which sounds kind of sad. Um, I just want to, I also want to point out that there are specifically two different, two different sections in this episode where we've kind of gotten past the original trauma of we've just swapped bodies. What the heck is happening? And they're beginning to notice each other as like people with, with their flaws and their strengths. And they're beginning to get into that more traditional awkward teen of like, Oh, you're pretty cool to hang out with or wow, you're really pretty. You know, there, there's a couple of those um, just moments uh, in this episode of noticing each other as people as opposed to like a spirit from another planet or whatever. Which, chime in on that too here. The, I'm trying to figure out, we, we mentioned this before in the last episode, what what this story is about not just what is the plot what do our heroes have to do to to save the day what quest are they on but even just the what's our character arc for each of our protagonists here usually a body swap story is all about what does each of the two people need to learn about the other yeah. what are they like drastically not understanding or not willing to even try to understand about the other person enter mystical powerful force to make them walk a mile in each other each other's shoes and then they understand each other that's like the stereotypical premise of the body swap i feel like we're maybe touching on that with this story but it almost feels rather different and that i'm not quite sure what painter needs to learn from yumi and what yumi needs to learn from painter i mean I can probably point out some things that I think Painter needs to learn from Yumi about maybe just self-discipline and maybe dedication or something like that. But yeah, I don't know quite where it's where it's going with the two of them. What where do they need to get to as characters to yeah. resolve this? I'm very curious about that. Okay. I have I have two points to make. One one is I would like to respond to what Elliot was saying, and then I have a separate thought. Uh, which I would like to be taken with a grain of salt. That's your precursor. Um, which, with what you're saying, Elliot, I don't know exactly what our characters are supposed to get from each other. But uh, something that I'm thinking of, these these are maybe more general observations of our characters. Painter seems like a relatable human. Okay. As, as we are humans on Earth, I can picture um, Painter's life. He works, he has his, like, apartment in town. The social rules seem to be fairly akin to Earth. Um, yep. Yumi, I don't know how to relate to, so so it's it's a difference of, like, urgency and, and importance, right? Yumi, I can't credit or discredit her life. I don't know the important, fully the importance of, of what she does. I don't know fully the importance of her world. It's vastly different from how we understand life, uh, quote, normal life on Earth outside of fantasy, right? Um, so it's hard for me to 
equivalent. Is that a word? It's There's hard for no. me to. I don't think that's a word. Just use so it and go. <laughs> it's really hard for me to equivalate Yumi's perspective and, and figure that out. Um, equivalent. Uh, with that being said, I have kind of a neck. Okay, it's not a word. I'm just confirming. I'm so sorry about that. Um, I've, I've had a nagging thought for a while about what is this book? What what is this book? What what are we going to be shown? What is this? I've had the the joke in my head that this is a fan fantasy rom com. Yeah, it's just like a ridiculous like rom com, right? And and I I actually made a note on my phone, uh, very briefly, just just a couple top examples that I could think of of like comparisons between our characters here, and like, uh, I guess a normal. I guess you could say, I don't know, dating, relationship, marriage, like comparison. Uh, the the first point that I wrote down, and I'll take this all with a grain of salt. This is very kind of stereotypical. But the first thing that I put was that uh, Peter really portrays himself as a hero initially. And it's kind of a lot of like overselling, masculine overselling. And then she sees his like room and he's just kind of a slob and kind <laughs> of an average, average Joe. Right. Yeah. Just, just like nothing particularly special. She goes and she's like, "Oh, you must know Painter. He's such a hero." And everyone's like, "A hero? What, what are you talking about?" You know. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, something, something interesting I thought was the objectives of each half seem almost kind of fruitless to the other, which I think you could say, you know, sometimes getting into the weeds a little bit, but sometimes you could look at like a partner's like hobbies or interests or things and be like, what's the point in that? You know, uh, Yumi needs to stack things to relieve stress. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, right. that, that's just really bizarre. Um, warm versus cold. I feel like that's a stereotypical uh, guy and girl thing. At least in my life, I'm <laughs> always really warm. My wife is always freezing cold there's no in between you know and so the planets the painter's planet's nice and cold yumi's planet is very warm um <laughs> that's what i thought was funny uh whenever they're at painter's apartment or, or home um <laughs> he makes a comment whenever she sees his clothes that are just kind of all over he's like <laughs> uh, i always i always fold these right out of the like this is so uncharacteristic for me. I always fold these right outside of like right after being washed. And I was like, that is a common <laughs> lie I've said myself. I, I have certainly said over, those like, words before. Yeah. Just like, ooh, so sorry. That I always fold these. I just this is an off day, you know. Right. Um and then also his remarks uh, toward Yumi whenever they leave later of how many layers is she wearing? It's like, <laughs> you know, I know she you're probably cold, but she's wearing like four layers. And I was just I was just cracking up about kinda comparisons i feel like with uh stereotypes in in relationships and guys and girls and stuff so i thought that was really funny and kind of wanted to share that this has been eaten at me that maybe this is just brandon sanderson's fantastical romantic comedy um so anyways with that aside <laughs> we can go forward but i just really had to get that off my chest um and and tying this into an actual point actually sorry one one more thing what you were saying trevor or sorry, Elliot, earlier about like maybe there's something that our characters will kind of take from each other. I'm thinking that that could, uh, on a serious note, that it could end up being where the different characteristics of our characters ending up 
like honestly at the end like each of our characters ending up a more like well-rounded individual because of the other yeah um and i think that is also like pretty true with a depiction of, of a relationship or marriage or or just spending like learning to be with another person right uh there's some give and take there's some working through things there's some differences which seem odd but you kind of work to to make things work right um and i i think that could actually be a thing i don't think that will actually be our main storyline i don't fully believe that but i think that's a neat little like that's what i'm kind of running with at the moment um it is as something that could be pretty i guess noteworthy like a good lesson to tie up in a bow at the the end of the the book that our characters may take something fruitful from the other uh, and that may be kind of the the story may be the friends we've made along the way kind of thing you know <laughs> Who knows? The book is dedicated to his wife, Emily. Yes. So I wonder how much of this is taken directly from conversations that the two of them have had, maybe about the laundry or how many layers of clothes they wear when it's cold. The one other thing I have to just as a side note to add to this is the whole part one is we see each of their lives individually. And then starting part two, like, they're just dropped into each other. They meet however ridiculously, right? And then we go from there and see how crazy it is for them being together, you know? So, anyways. Just another thing to add to that, uh, just as a side note. In Brandon Sanderson's live stream, to answer questions about this book, the the one that was like a year and a half ago now, um... Emily was on that live stream and she said that this one was her favorite secret project out of the four. So um, that I do think that there's some banter in here that's specifically targeted at her and awkward teenage relationships and that type of thing. So, uh, and I, honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to the, this type of story. I hope it keeps going um, throughout the story. Um, Yumi has... In chapter 13, Yumi and Nakara really sit down and like start to talk to each other about how they were raised and traditions and stuff like that and what is lacking in the other's life. Like, do you ever have free time or you don't know what meditating is? You know, they, they go back and forth with each other and Yumi very seriously says, well, if I stop to have fun, people die because I'm, I'm the agriculture on my city or on my planet. And then Nakara says... You sit here for two hours thinking about nothing. And Yumi said, Yes, I have to center myself in the Cosmere. You don't you don't how do you not meditate? I couldn't live a day without meditating. So I I think we were correct in our episode one prediction of um Brandon Sanderson's gonna lead pretty heavily into one hundred percent spiritual religious led life and zero percent spiritual religious led life like why would you sit here and do nothing with your time like you only have so much time in your day when you're not working why would you spend it staring at a wall like so i i, I did enjoy the, the dichotomy there do you do you guys think that painter is going to have to learn how to stack rocks before we get to talk to our spirits and ask what's going on here because that's yumi's goal right now is teach Painter how to stack rocks so we can communicate with the spirits. Do you think that's going to happen, or do you think we're going to talk to the spirits someplace else? Is there any hope for Painter's rock stacking abilities? 
I thought it was absolutely hilarious that maybe my favorite scene of this episode is her reacting to. <laughs> so so he goes to stack rocks and she has a lot of hope. She she's like maybe this is the reason he's here is because maybe he's a natural, naturally gifted at stacking rocks. And he puts the first rock down and that one rock doesn't even stand up like just on the ground. Yeah. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious and hysterical. Uh, but I think a point, Trevor, given what we've been talking about with this story, I think so. I think I think Painter is going to learn, at least to an extent, how to how to stack rocks. I don't know if it'll actually be a major detail of what's going on, like a major point. Or if there's something entirely different. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this whole storyline just took a left turn and just all of that was kind of out the window. But if it does continue in the way that it's going right now, I would say so. I think Painter will not stack rocks. I think that they're going to have a, a revelation at one point and realize, I think they know this already, but they had, just haven't put two and two together. It's not rock stacking that draws spirits. Yep. Yumi knows this already because she's made reference to it. It's the art that draws the spirits. It's the, it's the creative ability that Yumi can display. Painter can do that. Painter is an artist. He's just not a rock stacking artist. He's a painting artist, hence the name. And so... All they have to realize, I think, is that Painter needs to paint instead of stacking rocks. If he can find that creative spark that he's missing yep. and then paint something glorious, maybe like on the ground, you know, 20 by 20 foot amazing depiction of, of something. Maybe that star artwork that he tried to do on the wall and failed on yeah. back on his previous planet. And that will be the bit of creation that draws these spirits like creation spren might be drawn to just anything creative on Roshar. That's my theory. I think I think I think you're hundred percent correct, Elliot, and I'll add to it real quick here. Um we had we've had several references to painter and his jaded self and his maybe troubled past of what an internal dialogue from nicaro saying my whole life is a wreck but if you need me to stack these rocks i will stack these rocks whatever you need me to do i will do it um in recompense for what has happened in my past like there have been several things like that, but we've also gotten the indication that Nicaro actively avoids actually painting. He only paints bamboo because he doesn't have that creative spark, and I wonder if it's something traumatic. We talked about this in episode, our second episode, is, I think, that there there's a mental block there for him that... I assume he was going to have to deal with at some point in this story. And then, yes, I, I do think he can then create his painting masterpiece and summon spirits that way. Um, I'm not quite sure 
if it's going to happen exactly like that. Um, but I, I think that's an even money bet. That's a good point. My my one question is, if that is what we will see from Painter on Yumi's planet, what is going to be happening on Painter's planet? Yeah. Is my my guess would be that with that spark coming, like with Painter regaining that like creative spark, that he can then go back maybe and defeat the nightmare on his planet. I could I could believe that okay. to be the case, but I'm not sure. It's a it's a really tough question that pops into my mind as well because I can see how Painter might be effective in Yumi's role with that art. I can't really picture how Yumi's going to be effective in Painter's role. I'm not sure that she's going to be able to defend against a nightmare with stacking rocks. Maybe I'm wrong. Or Maybe you can bowls. stack rocks and or or stack something and turn the nightmare into stacked something. But I'm it doesn't seem to fit in the way that I can see them kind of figuring out things on Yumi's planet a little better. I I could see it working against a nightmare. All you're doing is, or at least I assume this is happening. All you're doing is turning said cognitive shadow into your perception. So I could, cause it's the same thing as the flame spread on Roshar, right? Where the two ardents in the, in the interlude um, mm-hmm. walk into the other room they write on the tablet, the flame spren is three inches tall. Whoa, it's three inches tall. It, it's a perception cognitive realm interaction here that we're talking about. I could see it working as well with, I'm going to stack rocks in the shape of a teddy bear and the nightmare turns into a teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. Just as a side note here and kind of a, maybe a new conversation, I am more drawn to, I think this is like the Kaladin Shalon debate in The Way of Kings. I am more drawn to uh, Painter's Planet than I am to Yumi's Planet. I am enjoying my time more, especially in chapters 14 and 15. I think it it is more fun. It is more interesting to me. The visuals are more striking in my mind, um, just as a mental movie that I'm having. I'm enjoying the scenes more of Nikaro's planet and Yumi walking around as Yumi in Nikaro's world. I'm enjoying that storyline more than Nikaro trying to learn to stack rocks. Well, that being said, Nikaro pushing rocks together and calling it stacking was rather comical. And I will give you that, Paul. But uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a lot the visuals of Nikaro's planet and I'm really in, looking forward to whenever we're there. What do you guys, do you guys have strong feelings? I don't know if I've fully formed my opinion on that yet, but I think I'm leaning the direction you're talking about. Maybe just Yumi's planet is a little more mundane in a way of it's just painter trying to figure out Yumi's lifestyle. Whereas Yumi on painter's planet, the, the, the scope is a little wider. She can kind of do whatever she wants or, there's more going on there as far as the city and television and yeah. Any strong opinions, Paul? Not horribly strong. I feel like I've so far almost 
turned my I've I've turned my inquisitive brain down a little more reading this compared to other other books we read. I feel like we've had the debate of is this important or are we just spending ten minutes talking about a word that actually has no significance, you know, or sure. does this have major significance? I think in this book I've I've turned my brain down a couple notches on on digging. And so I don't I don't know that I really have anything to add there. Okay. I want to build off this into a different direction. With the descriptions that we get of what uh Kilohito, I think is the name of the city, um in chapters 14 and 15, I redefined my mental image of Kilohito from part 1 to part 2. In part 1 we get like buses and apartments and um I don't know if we got a Heon viewer in part one or not, but I was even with those, I was still firmly set in like nineteen like ten, nineteen twenty, like uh you know, of of Earth years where we're just starting the Industrial Revolution. They've got like trains and buses, but they're certainly not as effective as modern day. But um and, and you've got like 10 story apartment buildings but in um in chapter 15 when akane and yumi walk into this department store of clothes like that firmly places me in like early 2000s like this is a Coles that they're walking into and they and also the use of the word conditioner and shampoo like that is that is modern day. That that's like not nineteen twenties. It jumps almost a hundred years for me just based on those two words of hot and cold shower, um, use of the word shampoo and conditioner, and walking into this department store and there's racks and racks of clothing with dressing rooms. Like I, I recalculated my mental image of um, the city to. New York City, like not quite that big, but way bigger than I originally thought. I definitely recalibrated a few of my mental images in this chapter as well. I don't know if I quite went that far. There was a, as far as a timeline and technology advancement, Painter specifically mentions like not being able to afford a telephone. Yeah. And so that kind of, that maybe shifted me a little bit in that he's got a TV. They can ride a bus to the department store. He's got plumbing, but he also doesn't have a te- uh, he doesn't have a a telephone. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's very much well, like the seventies or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that you thought it would have been that early. Essentially, uh, Trevor, I I think it's honestly just the aesthetic of it, the 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 like neon lines, the neon lights, kind of going through the city, and kind of that urban feel, just kind of had me thinking it was very modern. I guess okay. naturally, but um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think it's funny that the Heon viewer, his TV, is what we would see as black and white, but it's pink and blue like those are the two Mm -hmm. those are the two colors that you see on the tv as opposed to black and white i just thought that was funny i thought that was interesting too and i and initially my picture my mental image of that was very 
pixelated and like stick figure-esque of the two. But then as I was reading the book, Trevor, maybe you can pull up the, the artwork for people. So far, we've hit one, what I'll say is full color image in the book so far. But if you stare at this full color image for a few seconds, you'll realize there's actually only two colors in it, blue and magenta. Wow. This entire image that looks pretty colorful is really just two. It's different shades of the two colors. And so I don't know. I, I don't quite know what they're seeing on his Heon viewer, but it could be it could be this or something closer to this. Yeah. Maybe. Is, is that it looks white to me. Is that flower on the right hand side there? Is that like a light blue or is that a white? It looks hard white. to tell, but it's uh, like I'm sure there's a lot of somewhere between those two colors. There's a lot of shades you probably wouldn't think of, or sure. like if you push the color really far, really light. So I don't really know, right? But, yeah, there's definitely some like white and black going on in here, right? Yeah, but yes, fascinating the the Heon viewer also pretty hilarious that one of Yumi's first experiences in this new world is to experience the painfulness of cliffhanger TV series. <laughs> yes. How it ends on a painful cliffhanger and you have to wait a whole nother week to find out what happens. Next time on, I don't know, whatever channel. Yes. I thought that was funny. Um, I, Akane is becoming more of a character than I thought she'd be. I, it, from part one with our preview chapters, Akane's mentioned like once, and I just assumed that was vague love interest from Nicaro. Akane's an actual character, and we've had multiple conversations with her at this point. Maybe besides the servant lady for um uh, for Yumi, she Akane might be the the third most dialogue character in the book so i thought that was interesting that is so so my thought with that trevor right now is there's got to be some form of other characters to interact with on in in the story right and we see characters on yumi's planet that are kind of ingrained into her life mm -hmm. and i feel like it's maybe more of a stretch on painter's side because it's other people aren't necessarily integral to his life. It sounds like people live a more solitary, what I would think of as just kind of a, a, a young adult, like working city type lifestyle, I guess, you know, like not, you're not really like rubbing shoulders with people all the time, I guess, who, who knows. But, um, so I feel like they had to kind of maybe Brandon Sanderson, maybe kind of had to have a Kane be kind of a prominent character because they need characters to interact with here you know my thought was who else could they interact with that we've seen so far i the answer i actually like the most of that is maybe the family that he saw the the stable nightmare near yeah i'm and he mentions at one point kind of wanting to check and make sure they're okay yeah so i'm actually curious if we will visit them and if so i'm really intrigued to to do so but right now kind of just where our story is at I think it makes sense that Akane is just kind of a a character, a, a way to introduce 
Yumi to, I mean, I guess you could call it Girl World. Um, <laughs> I hear uh, on their planet and uh, goes sh- shopping and all sorts of stuff, you know. Uh, but 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 it is fair to say what you're saying, Trevor. Of uh, I'm almost a little bit surprised that Akane has become a prevalent character. Yeah. Uh, but what I was trying to say is, I guess it makes sense to me because who else? There's not really other characters at play here. So, Of the people that we have run into on Painter's Planet, mainly Akane and the foreman that we spent some time talking to before, they have some really nasty things to say about Painter. Yeah. Like, not nice at all. And they think they're talking to Painter's sister. Like, Akane straight out comes out and says, oh yeah, your brother, the creep. <laughs> and, and the foreman is like, oh yeah, your, your delinquent brother who's always making up stuff and has to be the center of attention all the time. And I, I'm just thinking like, oh man, gut punch as painters standing right there. Like they can't see him obviously, but he has to stand there and hear them say these things behind his back. Wow. Harsh. Yeah. And there's they're still saying it to his sister. Like I feel like he would still yeah. get the get this information. Like they're they're not very afraid to say what they think. Yeah, it was I'm I I might be jumping to conclusions a little bit too quickly, but I've I adjusted my my perception of painter a little bit based on those. So far, we've taken Painter as the wants to do the right thing, is maybe a little bit lazy, has something bad in his past that he's trying to get over. He was firmly in the, like, at least he's trying stage. As we hear all these other characters talk about him behind his back, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I like Painter anymore. And I, I don't want to jump to any t- conclusions based on what these other characters are saying about him necessarily, but if his coworkers think he's full of himself and doesn't actually do any, any good. And the girl that lives across the hallway thinks he's a creep and has bad things to say about him to his sister. I, man, he does not leave a good impression on people. Yeah. That is fair, Elliot. But one, one thing I want to say is I feel like we've had allusion to uh painter mentions that he's been working for the last several months, right. To, um, kind of rebuild that like relationship mm-hmm. with Akane, like just, just a friendship, not like yeah. a relationship relationship. Right. And I feel like we've had illusions that there's maybe something that has happened in painters past. So yes. there could be some just like tragic moment that kind of has everyone in town thinking he's a creep and a loser or self-centered or something like just something right. Gave him a really bad rap. Mm-hmm which can spread all over town, right? Um, that may not be what it seems to be at first or from other people's perspectives. That is, I mean, that's full speculation there. Who knows, you know? But that that's my thought right now, is it may not be fully that he he is a, a loser and a creep and self-centered and all these things that it could be, you know. That's a great, that's a great point, actually. Yeah, I want to add that into my my mental picture of what's going on here. I I've been thinking of this 
ominous event that Painter's trying to recover from in his his past as something like further in the past, like five, six, seven, eight years ago. What if what if it's much more recent than that? What if all these people have this bad taste in their mouth from Painter because he's down in the dumps because of something that happened like six months six ago? Months ago. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. What, what if he what if he just had whatever this traumatic experience was and it just kind of wrecked him? Yeah. Did I drop there for a minute? Yeah. For a second there. Just one second, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, one thing I also have to add to this, Elliot, is in I think it's our first um, ritual bathing scene. We we get a glimpse, a little bit, at just kind of, uh, I guess, the morality, a little bit, or ethics in Painter's head, a little bit. Of it's it's an awkward scene, and he, you can hear his kind of internal dialogue. I mean, it's a fairly awkwardish scene, but they're they're you know, worried about looking at each other in indecency because they're naked in front of each other, right? And he he has kind of an internal dialogue of, like, it just doesn't feel right to look. Like, if he was truly a creep, like, I feel like he wouldn't care or wouldn't yeah. take into regard this, like, it doesn't feel right. He would just kind of abuse the situation, right. if that makes sense. But he yeah. he even th- rationalizes it a little bit of, like, it's not I, I think I could be wrong. I think he rash he tries to rationalize it to himself, and he's like, "No, I can't. It just doesn't. It just doesn't feel right, kind of thing." And so he he doesn't, you know. Um, so, anyways, all, all that to say, I'm I'm kind of defending him a little bit right now, based off of just what everyone else is saying. But I think you're I think you're fair. I think you've I think you've convinced me at least slightly that maybe. Maybe Painter is a better person or wants to be a better person and might be perhaps the victim of some bad decisions or some kind of unfortunate event that happened recently. We're going to read more. Yeah. I don't know that he's necessarily like fantastic or an amazing person, but he's at least not the worst from what we've seen. He's not despicable. He's not, he's not bad, you know? And, and here's what I'll say with it, with the two, primary sources that we have, Akane and the foreman, I think both have a very good explanation of Nicaro's very, like with internal dialogue we get with Nicaro, especially in part one, he's very focused on keeping to himself and like he, yes, he's lonely, but he's, he's okay with that. Like he's not super happy with it, but he's, he's not going to go out of his way to try to make friends. If somebody wants to hang out with him, he's fine with that. And I think that's fairly um it, that's fairly easily explained for the foreman as he's coming off as arrogant. If he doesn't want to talk to us, if he's just here to do his job and like he maybe it's just misinterpreted as he acts like he's above us or something like that, as the rest of the painter crew. Um whereas and then Akane, she's just been told from Yumi that Akane is one of his concubines. And so she's going to fire right back and say, yeah, like that guy's just a creep. He makes like, I've got a crush on you eyes without saying anything to me ever. Like he's just, he's just a creep. Um, whereas Nakaro is just like an awkward dude who doesn't know how to cope with, I have a crush on this girl. 
That that's that's really true, Trevor. Because I I forget the scenario of <laughs> Yumi has told Akane that she has assumed that he she is one of his concubines, as he's a famous hero with all these conquests and things, and that would be an honor to be such a person. And she's like, he's telling you what? You know, <laughs> right. that, that is that is deserving of calling him a creep. If if your understanding is that he's telling people that that you are one of his concubines, like that that's that's obviously super super messed up and, and and creepy. So that that kind of explains it. But so uh, kind of going forward a little bit from the in these chapters, do y'all feel like we have a clear direction of what our storyline is? Are we kind of assuming that it is? our characters are going to learn some moral story or have some like internal character development moment of revelation where they have this spark of creativity again or digging up some past and dealing with it or or what do we think is going to really be the the crux of our story well i personally i feel like i don't know any further than than our last episode yeah i was going to say the the in the in-story plot, I guess you could say, we still have nothing on. We're now 15 chapters in. Like, we need to keep a counter from last week. We're now 15 chapters mm-hmm. in, and we still have no idea what's happening. Still haven't gone to the Council of Elrond. So, I, I really don't know how long that's going to go before we actually find out what's happening here. So, but as far as like the narrative standpoint of what are these characters going to learn or something like that. I do think we're going to lean quite heavily into um, character growth for Nicaro, um, or maybe a, maybe character growth is the wrong word, uh, maybe healing for Nicaro um, off of something that's happened in his past. Um, and then for Yumi, maybe to be less judgmental so quickly. That's maybe the only character fly could point at for Yumi right now. She's very um, loyal. E- even if she's not entirely happy, she still does what she's told um, from part one. And maybe we're breaking some rules with Yumi and that's where we're going with that and learning that that can be a good thing to speak up for yourself. Specifically, specifically with the blue dress. Um, in chapter 15, she's making her own decisions and that's a big a, a big deal for her. Um, so when she goes back to herself and she says, I don't know, maybe I want to wear the other ceremony robe today and see what that does to Miss Bossy Pants. I don't remember her name. I, I think there's some self-advocacy, whatever you want to call it, bit that maybe Yumi could, could grow into. I'm almost wondering if the Yumi growth character arc that we might be after is simply exposure to the real world i think she is very idealistic i think she's very driven disciplined but she's lived an extremely sheltered life she does not know how the world works she does not know the difficulty of what it's like to kind of struggle out in the world she's had her own struggles for sure in her own very kind of dictated life rhythm but Maybe what she just needs to learn is what other humans are like and and how to interact with them, how to have a conversation with someone who is not motivated 
and explain to them why being motivated is important. You know, that, that side of things I could see being the growth in air quotes for her. I have another question for you guys for some predictions. Are our stakes going to become Cosmere level or is this still going to be a slice of life story? I think not full Cosmere level. I think we are going to stumble on at some point a dilemma that affects these two planets and probably mainly just these two planets. I think something has happened here that needs to be fixed. The spirits that talked to Yumi said, we are trapped. Free us. There's our dilemma. We just have no idea what in the world is going to and be involved in trying to fix that. But I think I, my prediction is that's our scope that maybe I think we theorized this on this way, way back. Maybe things have been split apart here and we have our, our opposites of each thing and everything needs to be brought back together. Maybe the planets used to be one planet and now they're two and we need to bring the two planets back together or fix the spirit that's been broken into two halves or something like that. I don't know that we're going to go too far beyond that would be my guess. Before you go, Paul, I would argue that if we do go that far, that is pretty big Cosmere implication level. Simply because as a reader of the Cosmere, knowing you can influence a whole planet via capital C connection could be very useful for a certain system that accidentally destroyed a planet and hopped over to Roshar. Fair. Um, Fair. So if we learn a mechanic of either recombining a planet or healing a planet or whatever we, um, whatever that means, I think that in and of itself is big cosmic implications, even if it's not specifically for Nakaro and Yumi. I think you're correct, Trevor. Um, as like, if it does get to that level, then I think that's as far as what I can imagine right now. I think that is the about the deepest our story can go. Okay. I shouldn't doubt Brandon Sanderson though <laughs> on that. You know, I don't want to doubt him on that. But given what we've seen, we're in chapter fifteen, and we feel like there's no major pressing issue, concern, premise, storyline, right? No, nothing like super pressing. I don't really think we're going to have anything super Cosmere breaking or that level. I think we will get tidbits and stuff that will be like, wow, like we may learn more about connection, right? Um, but I kind of think that's going to be about it. I think it's going to be more of like a standalone, like maybe goofy, happy story. Um, I really like just the way it's shaping up. I really don't foresee there being any form of like like serious tragedy or anything else like that. You know, um, I think it kind of may end up being this more so like slice of life scenario of of you know maybe it does end up just being some weird interesting rom com scenario. I think it is going to go beyond that level um, and, and be much more impactful. I, much more like of a strong story. But yeah, uh, this whole free us thing does have me very 
confused. Like with with the that's I feel like that's the one thing we really have to go off of of where is our story headed with the spirits, and that makes me think that we will go further, but I, I don't know what that will entail. A feasible stake that we could raise with the story we've given so far. I agree with you, Paul, that so far it is very fantasy rom com child like I wouldn't say childlike uh you know teen like humor um awkward yeah. like it, it's fun so far i think it's very possible given the weird time dilation that we have right now that they hop back over to nicaro's uh body at one point and an entire level of an apartment building has been attacked by a nightmare um there's potential for this to turn sour real fast, specifically for Nicaro's planet um, with that stable nightmare that we haven't handled yet. So there. I am thinking of it now. I think I have a prediction of maybe how things will start to escalate. So Nicaro's responsibility was to report the nightmare and that the dream watch would take care of it, right? Yep. Well, my my prediction is so the dream watch apparently are the really talented, really skilled, like uh, painter even refers to them as like warrior type. You yep. know, like like they're the ones who will get in there SWAT. and they will take care of. Yeah, they will take care of a stable nightmare. Um, what if our state our our dream cast people? come in and they don't do anything they're like uh no it doesn't sound that serious we can't handle it. you know like we don't want to dedicate anything to this and maybe nightmare feels the call to they feel the call that they do need to step in um a term that which i think may become more important over time a term that yumi has used with a painter is his levity making really light of serious situations and Maybe it may be a huge dilemma for them. Of Yumi feels it's really important. Can't you can't just stand by if it's gonna if this nightmare is gonna go hurt people, and no one else is doing anything about it, right? And Painter may be of the camp of like, oh yeah, well, it's the if they don't think it's like these people are the professionals. If they don't think it needs to be dealt with, then it's fine, right? You know, who knows? But that that may be my guess because he's talked about these dream watch people and how they're the best and how maybe they should meet with them. Maybe they will know what's going on. And that may be my guess. That we might figure out more of the pace of what's going to be happening with our story here. Yeah, we need, we need a bit of information. I think our heroes, like we're missing a clue as to what we need to do. It's almost like we need something to happen on probably Painter's Planet that gives them that clue. Like, Yumi f- figures out something that she can do that affects the nightmares or gives them a direction to go in. Because right now, yeah, it, it feels like they're just kind of figuring out each other's lives and on the hunt for clues. So I'm not sure what that'll be like. But I think we need something. Yeah. It's kind of like as stuff happens to them, they're just being reactionary. They have no idea what to do, right. which makes sense. Like given the information our characters have, what do they do? You know. So I, I'm 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 still just eager to know what what are our characters going to figure out? What's going to be that that turning piece where uh-huh. where they move differently? You know. 
I do have a prediction for the long run. I do bet that the breaking of this bond that we've formed between Yumi and, and Painter, I do not think we will have to wait till the conclusion of the book for that to break or resolve itself. I I bet we're going to get a story flow where halfway through the book, maybe two-thirds, Yumi and Painter figure out how to work together. They understand each other. They get to the point where things are starting to work. Maybe they figure out like some objectives at that point. And then I bet we're going to get a moment where all of a sudden they wake up as themselves and they don't have the other person with them. And they're still going to have an objective that they have to now go do on their own. And that will be like a pivotal moment in each of their development where they have to on their own without the other one there to kind of badger them into it, take what they've learned from the other person to achieve an objective. That's that's my fairly random out of the blue guess on how this is is going to go. As soon as it starts to work, it's going to break and they're going to have to do it on their own and probably romantically realize that they miss each other in that moment. And then the end of the book is maybe they finally get back together and happily ever after. There we go. You think? Do you think one is going to physically end up on the other's planet at the end of the book? I I don't think so unless there is some merging of worlds. Okay. Or if they find out that there's some kind of destiny for one of them, because they, yeah, the the unless one ends up there's some kind of like destiny for them, they save the one planet and they're integral to the the life of that planet or something. But I don't really foresee that being the case. We haven't really talked about it. What's going on with the shroud? Is that what's kind of on the edge of yeah, Painter's it's, world? It's like, the Mistborn equivalent. Like, yeah, it kind of runs away from mist, yeah. Heon lines, and it's like planet wide. Like that, you can fly above it. Uh, P Painter mentions this to Yumi you, that scientists have like done some test flights, and you can see other stars above it. So it's certainly like a overcast cloud shroud over the planet. Yeah. I think the shroud will be my make or break on whether this is like Hosmere implications kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. We never really deal with the shroud and it's just a, oh, that's just a fact of that planet. Maybe we'll stay small scale. If our story becomes the shroud is the problem with the planets, plural, and that's what they have to fix. That feels like maybe Cosmere implication level type stuff if if that becomes the objective or whether it is not part of the problem. I like that. Anything else, gentlemen? Not that we haven't touched on at least a little bit, I think. Agreed, yeah. All right. This is this is my big like on the next set of chapters, I'm really hoping we have a clear vision of, of where we're headed. Oh, really important prediction. Next week, are we going three for three for awkward bath scenes three weeks straight? Yes or no? Are we getting an awkward bath scene next, next week? I think, I think we will. I think we're going to get another awkward, like, quote, awkward bath scene. And I think it's going to, our characters are going to be like, okay, 
I'm over this, you know, like Okay. You know, I think I think they're gonna be kinda Yeah. I think we are gonna get it, but they're just gonna be like, well this isn't doing anything anymore, but they have to like keep up appearances or something on on that planet, you know. I think we're not only gonna go three for three on bath scenes, we're gonna go like seven for seven. <laughs> I think I think I think that's gonna be a recurring thing and is gonna be our barometer for their relationship. Okay. When the bath scenes are no longer awkward, that's when you know the relationship has started to click or work or they've they're starting to open up to each other. When they're no longer like having awkward stare downs at the bath scene, you know things are moving. I don't think we're having an awkward bath scene next week. However, I do think it will be a recurring thing. We'll just take a break for it from it for like 10 chapters and then it'll come back and then we'll, you know, it, it still will be a barometer for the relationship, but it'll come back later and won't be a consistent thing. You know what will be pretty funny, actually, is on Painter's Planet, they figure out whatever the heck is going on. They like find the purpose. They, they find something big, right? We have a big reveal and then it's like, they go to sleep, they wake up, and they have to go through a bath scene, and they're just like, uh, like, <laughs> you know what to do, like, send us back, you know, that <laughs> stuff. And, and so, but they're gonna have to, like, go through another bath scene, like, knowing, knowing there's a purpose on the other planet or something like that. I think that'd be kind of funny, but... I wonder if we'll they're see. gonna, like, intentionally try to, like, knock themselves out to get back to the other planet, and it's not gonna work. I think, I think that might be in our future. Yet, might that smack might answer someone. our question on how how that works, right? If they like try to put themselves to sleep, but then wake up back on the same planet, maybe that would be our clue that it's a a pull rather than a push. Yeah. Sort. All right. Plenty of theories, both both big implication and zero implication going forward. So let's keep reading, and we'll talk next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. On we go. Oodles. <laughs>